It's another Saturday night in comedy, and tonight the panel is loaded with a full crew of returning friends of the show. First up, Keisha Brownie and company are back with another stacked edition of Stand Up Stitches. Then fan favorite Anthony Rodia returns to Toronto on his totally relatable tour. It's all about the returns tonight. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, as always, streaming Canada wide, coast to coast, North America wide, planet Earth wide, the entire known universe wide on Tay Internets on Global News Online. We have our producer Vince Tedesco on the air with us right now. How are you doing this week, buddy? I'm doing well. Planet Earth wide. I love it. Planet Earth so wide. <laughs> we are everywhere, kids. And tonight, Vince, we got a returning panel of some of our favorite friends of the show. Uh, it's all about relatable returns. Of course, we have our good friend Keisha Brownie and crew bringing yet another stacked edition of their Stand Up Stitches show live once again to uh, Brampton's iconic Rose Theater, which they always sell out that show. She's been doing that run of shows there for years now. So some familiar faces on the panel there and some new guests of the show on Inside Jokes tonight. And then, Vince, a little later on, a U.S. comic, a touring headliner we haven't checked in with since early on in what we very affectionately on this show refer to as the Pandy. Anthony Rodia is back. We talked to him, I think, in our first season of the pandemic, back when we were just talking to people on the telephone, when we hadn't (laughs) figured out this whole Zoom thing yet. We were a few years behind everyone else on that. Uh, But Anthony Rodia, he's back on the road. He's out there pounding the pavement on his totally relatable tour, and he is bringing one of those dates right here to Toronto's Danforth Music Hall. That'll also be coming up April 29th. So we got Stand Up Stitches is back at Rose Theatre, and we're going to check in with Anthony Rodia on what some of this material is and what that totally relatable tour is all about, Vince. So it's all about relatable returns tonight, my friend. I love it. I'm relatable. You're relatable. This we're all relatable. We're all, it's, we're all relatable. We're all What's just family tree? survived through comedy at a time when the planet is in every possible way imploding on itself. But anyways, we're going to have some fun. We've got a stacked panel, returning friends of the show and some new faces, all that and more right here, right now on Inside Jokes. Let's do it. back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and as always, streaming all across the known multiverse on Global News Online. We are back with some returning friends of the show. Keisha Brownie and company are returning to Brampton's iconic Rose Theatre with yet another stacked edition of Stand Up Stitches. We got a full panel right now. We've got Keisha Brownie. How are you doing tonight? Woohoo! Hey, Dean, what's up, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's good to see you again. I mean, you've been you've been packing this theater for years with these shows. It's always a lineup of crowd killers. There's some returning faces on the lineup. There's some new comics on the show. It's yeah. another stacked edition coming up April 29th at the Rose Theater. We've got Sharif on the air. How are you doing tonight, man? 
I'm doing good, Dean. How are you doing? It's good to have you on. And of course, our returning friend of the show, Mark Anthony Synagoga, who for our listeners at home is floating somewhere in space right now. How are you doing, Mark? <laughs> I'm good, man. Thanks for having me as always, guys. Happy to be here. And last but not least, we have Sonny Duana also joining us on Stand Up Stitch. He's coming up live at the Rose Theater. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Great. We got this is of course this isn't even the full lineup of stand-up stitches, but it again is just yet another edition, just packed with absolute crowd killers. You've got some headliners out there, you got some some new faces to the Rose Theater crowd. So I mean, Keisha, like we've been talking to you about this show. You've been running this show for years, and of course, even during what we on Inside Jokes like to just affectionately call the pandy. You were even doing sort of like live stream digital versions of this show, but you are back live at the Rose Theater. It is. It does feel more like a gala because you're in a theater space. It's a different animal. I mean, all of you, of course, came up in Toronto comedy, but you also produce and run shows out in the suburbs. I mean, Keisha, you've been doing this. You've been doing this run of stand-up sh- stitches shows for years now. Our friend Mark Anthony, of course, has been producing and selling out theater shows out in the burbs for years now. Mm-hmm. Suburban crowds, Keisha, are. It is a bit of a different animal, isn't it? Suburban crowds are a little bit different than, you know, when you come to Toronto and you play these sort of cult shows and these little independent comedy clubs. It's a bit of a different thing when you go and do these theater shows out in the suburbs because it feels like more of an event. It's a night out for people. It feels like there's... Yeah, I I definitely think so. Right? Like, it feels like more of a polished thing. What set? What sort of sets these suburban crowds apart from, like, again, when you're in Toronto doing like those regular crowds at like a comedy bar, or, you know, the Riv, or one of those sort of cult rooms in Toronto? These theater shows out in the burbs, it does have a bit of a different feeling. This audience, doesn't it? Like, doesn't it feel like you're doing? It's almost more of a polished thing, like a gala in a way. Yeah, I, I'd say yeah. The the ambiance of the room definitely sets the tone. You know, Dean, like you said, it's a theater. It's more of a night out. You know, it's it's like we're we normally do the club, uh, the shows in clubs and bars and that. This is uh, we have our own dressing room, so it's it's pretty high tech. And and the suburban crowds, like I mean, they keep coming back. You can tell there's a void. There's a there's a high demand for something like this. And I generally feel like not even in the suburban crowds, like all over comedy is just really booming. Now people want it a lot more now. And I feel like it's good for us. We're all so busy. So I think it's great. Is there something, and I mean, I can throw that, of course, you know, Kishi, but I'll throw this to the whole panel. Really? Like, is there something that kind of sets Brampton crowds apart too? Because again, Toronto is right there, but these, a lot of this audience that comes out to the Rose theater a lot of these people don't make it downtown and they don't go to comedy bar. They don't go to yucks. They don't go to absolute. They're going and watching stand up regularly. So it feels like you're bringing something to them that even though it, it is right there, that they don't necessarily get to go out and see and that they don't have access to normally. So it does feel like kind of a big event in a way. Yeah, that's for sure. They're not, I'd agree. They're not accustomed to like comedy shows so much of it, but even though now it's getting better though, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot more comedy curators coming out of Brampton. There's a lot more comedy series in Brampton. Now what's going to happen at the Rose theater is that you'll, you'll see a lot of new curators bringing their own like kind of niche comedy shows to the, uh, to the Rose theater. Sonny actually has a series that he's bringing to the next season at the Rose theater, more of a niche comedy. So it's yeah. really good. I mean, it's, it's, it, even though like crowds are not really used to it, they're they're becoming more accustomed to it and and excited for like uh, events like this. So it's really exciting. 
Sonny, do you think that it is kind of we're seeing like a another sort of boom happening in live stand-up again because people have been, you know, streaming specials and all this stuff for the last couple of years? And obviously Toronto, Toronto is pretty saturated with indie clubs and live shows and all that stuff. But does it feel like there's a demand now for live stand-up and sort of a new appreciation for it coming out of all this where there is sort of a good chance now for independent producers to start booking stuff out in the burbs and start booking theaters and a new audience come out that maybe didn't exist before. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and definitely. There's so many genres. Like it's, I just did a 420 show and then it was, there were so many people in the crowd. It was their first time at a niche kind of comedy show like, like, like that, like a 420. You'll see a lot of it. There's, um, you know, there's a Portuguese kids. There's so many different, different niches of it now so yeah i think it's, it's almost like it's brand new it's great it's like we're in the 80s again it's great 420 rooms by the way that was i mean a lot of us on this panel remember doing those weed rooms in toronto that was like a whole other era there was these underground yeah. weed lounges and that was a whole sort of subsect of live stand-up in this city that yeah. kind of now doesn't exist anymore because weed is legal and there's no like sort of speakeasy weed lounges to go do stand-up in anymore yeah yeah it's true. Now it's everywhere. It's it's great. Now it's now it's a dead time. It's a dead era. The 420 rooms, the weed rooms in Toronto comedy. All right. I want to come back with this panel and pick everyone's brains on what some of this material is. We could see at stand up stitches. Uh, some of the new comics appearing on the show. And I got a little something to get into with Mark Anthony Synagoga, our old friend of the show. We're going to come back with more of our panel, more relatable returns, more stand up stitches right here after the break on Inside Jokes. Hello everyone, this is Sunny Divana. You're listening to Inside Jokes. I'm going to be on this wonderful show put together by Keisha Brownie Stand Up Stitches, April 29th, 8 p.m. Saturday. See you then. This is a Brampton boy. We're going to be talking about Brampton things. See you soon. to inside jokes baby right here on 640 toronto and as always coast to coast canada wide on the global news radio network we are talking to our good friends from stand-up stitches returning live to brampton's iconic rose theater it is another stacked lineup of crowd killers hitting the stage we got returning friends of the show keisha brownie mark anthony synagoga we've got sharif we've got sunny duana who also is bringing a new lineup of shows over to brampton uh, Mark Anthony, you're on this show pretty much every second episode at this point. Uh, you just kind of <laughs> you just kind of circumnavigate the global studios, just waiting for a spot. We love having you on the show all the time. One thing I want to pick your brain on is because we we've talked to you a lot this past season about you know not just your stand up and the shows that you were producing, and of course you were out touring around, but we talked to you a lot about these viral videos that you did. You blew up with a lot of online sketches and a lot of characters, and of course we don't want to get into it too much because we always browbeat you about this, but you did blow up quite a bit with your own Uncle Dougie, your Doug Ford impressions. One thing I was curious about, though, for those of us and our listeners who've known your material over the years, how much has your material changed this past year because of family life? I mean, marriage fatherhood we know we always knew your material being very much based on your family background you would talk about your family life and your upbringing italian heritage and all that stuff has your material changed now because of 
where you are off stage. I mean, now you're getting married and popping out kids. Has that changed your voice on stage now? Um, I don't know if it's uh, changed my voice per se, but um, I think that, I don't know. I try to view my standup as like uh, a lens into my life. So you're growing with me as I'm growing. So as I become a better performer, I can talk about deeper subjects or better subjects or different subjects. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you can see what's going on and watch me, you know, I'm having a kid, so you're going to see more kid material. And I'm currently in between moving houses. So I'm living with my grandparents again, uh, which is just <laughs> so grand. So I have to do videos in my cantina because my no, no doesn't turn the air conditioning on. So, you know, the tough life I live guys. <laughs> Does it mature you in a way too? Because I mean, obviously, you know, starting out a decade plus ago in standup, that was, you know, you weren't married. You didn't have any kids. You're you're in your 20s and just hitting mics, running all over the city, doing five, six shows a night and all these dive bars and random rooms all over town. I feel like now at this point in your career, like you're out on the road, you're touring, you're producing your own shows, you're sort of building your own online following. And now you've got a family to look after. You've got sort of responsibilities off stage. Does it sort of mature you as a comic? Because now, in a way, I guess you have to be more selective about gigs that you want to take on because it's got to be stuff that makes sense for you it's got to be stuff that is going to move you forward and pay the bills you might not necessarily be out every single night just hitting mics just for the fun of just going out there and workshopping stuff do you have to sort of be more selective now and realistically look at it more as like yeah this is just my gig now this is my actual career yeah unfortunately um you know but <laughs> there's pros and cons like because you know I'm also, you know, I'm trying not to say yes to $20 gigs anymore, uh, which is great, which, you know, automatically makes you try to have a little bit more self-worth and feel that your time and what you're doing is worth more and being like, hey, man, you know, I'm coming at this with 10 years plus experience. I'm talking about uh, subjects that, uh, you know, kind of appeal to more of a mass media and I'm not doing stoner comedy as a fat guy when I was 19. So like, you know, I sort of feel like it, it goes both ways. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, um, yeah, it just, it kind of grows as I grow, uh, if you will. Like, I don't know if I'm making any sense here whatsoever. You're not. I mean, it, it does. It does make sense. It does make sense. It feels like our listeners over the past few seasons have really joined you on your life journey. Yeah, that would be great. You know, if you guys want to, uh, I can put my email here for e-transfer. You know, the baby shower is <laughs> happening this weekend. We can just really get the money going. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Like, you become, you you feel like you're worth more. You know what I'm saying? Because you're like, listen, I'm going to put way more effort into these shows because they are a little less often. And I look at it more as a business where I'm trying to build a new hour. We're all trying to build a special and things like that and just kind of double it up. So, um, yeah. You know, so I'm hoping that I don't have to do trash shows anymore. Hence me doing stand-up stitches in a theater. You know what I'm saying? Like, there we you, go. You try to, you, yeah, you're trying to make it, uh, you know, you want people to want to spend money to see you, right? So that's sort of the yeah. whole thing. Keisha, for you, I mean, yes, it is a theater show. And yes, it is, again, it sort of does feel very much like a showcase kind of a night. But for you as the host and the producer, and I mean, you've you've been running these shows in the Rose Theater for years now even though it is this big theater space and it does have that sort of polished event feel to it, you also must have a lot of regular returning audience members. So for you, when you're hosting, do you get to sort of riff with that, even though it is sort of more of a gala type show because you do see some familiar faces in the crowd. And because this has been your stage for so many years doing this run of shows, 
do you get to sort of still riff off the crowd and be loose with it when you're hosting? I do. I definitely do. That's something definitely I touch base on in the beginning of the show where I like to, you know, find out if we got some regulars coming back, anyone visiting or celebrating anything. Because in that way, sometimes the audience likes that too, because they, you know, they feel like they, they've been seen, you know, they're a part of the show. Wow, she remembers us from last time. This is kind of cool. And then that way, you kind of set the tone of the whole show, you know? You have the comics listening, and maybe they hear that someone's visiting from Oshawa. Maybe they have a joke about that. So it's always good to kind of interact. And uh, like Sharif mentioned, if the improv happens, yeah, just run with it, you know, and make sure that it's time sensitive. You don't want to be doing it too long because you want to, again, keep a tight show that um, so that everyone looks well. The stitches bring anybody that you see all on the time. The basis that you're like, oh, God, they're here again. Now they want to be part of the show. Now we got to say hi to them. Any annoying regulars? I mean, you can oh be honest. Nobody's listening, Keisha. Yeah, do you get do you get like the the rowdies <laughs> and the drunks in a theater show like this? Oh, man. I have regulars who want to go on stage. They they want their little there you go. spot, and I'm like, what? Is, this is not an open mic. What is what is this? But um, it's always it's it's nice. Yeah, you, everyone is really kind and they're really supportive. They're there to laugh and watch the comedians, so it's always a good time. So and I don't. And I, I don't know about the name, Dean and Vince. I, I Stitches, eh? Why did I stand up stitches? Open the door for stand up stitches. Stand up stitches bring bitches. My I mean, boyfriend says, I can not take it. I can watch whatever. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. I, I want to say that all the time when I say stand up stitches. But then I'm like, oh, it's a theater. I don't know if I can. Anyway. It is those. And actually, I wanted to get into that with this panel. But for you, for you, Sonny, I mean, does this crowd feel kind of familiar to you in a way? Because, you know, Brampton's your hometown, but a lot of the comics who've done this show over the years have, have and have gone and performed at Stand Up Stitches, they all came up the Toronto way. They came up, you know, doing those sign-up and go-ups at the clubs, and they came up doing Comedy Bar and, and the, you know, the little yeah. indie spots in Toronto. For you, coming up in Brampton, where, again, there wasn't necessarily always a lot of rooms to cut your teeth in, Mm -hmm. was Brampton your comedy hometown like does this crowd feel familiar to you in a way well I've I've done a lot of stuff in Toronto as well um so I've built a lot of my material in Toronto based on my experience in Brampton so I'm kind of excited to bring that to Brampton and I I'm looking forward to that to kind of see how the Brampton crowd connects with that like the stuff that I went through because I came to Brampton, Canada when I was 14. So I went to high school here. So yeah. I've shared a lot of experiences on like Toronto stages. So I, for me, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting experience. Give it to me straight, Sonny. Are you proclaiming right now you're going to get the biggest applause on the night? We'll see. I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't want to say too much. Tell him straight, you're a Brampton boy. No, 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 no. You're going to no, get the biggest be, ovation of the night. No, no, no. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. That's it. Keep it low profile. Be humble. Let the crowd isn't, isn't, isn't that really the dream, though, for everyone, Sonny, is to come to Canada and just absolutely thrive in showbiz in Canada? Yeah. <laughs> this, is where, this is the land of making it big. By the way, I wanted to ask the panel because, yeah, again, you do get those regular audience members, whether you're in a club, whether you're in a theater, whatever. That sort of, you know, you get like the drunk rowdies and stuff. They think they're being part of the show. 
and they want to involve themselves. But for all of you, because, yeah, you all cut your teeth in Toronto clubs. And listen, for every good independent comedy club in this city, there's also a lot of really rough bar shows and really terrible open mics that we've all certainly done over the years. How important, and I'm going to throw this to the entire panel, how important do you think those rooms are for comics coming up, those really awful rooms and brutal crowds where you just have to fight the audience all all night and really dog it out? How important are those brutal spaces for comics to sort of be humble, but also just fight through it and cut your teeth. How important is it to just truly go up on stage and eat it once in a while? And I'll throw that to anybody. Mark, I know you've certainly done a lot of those Toronto shows over the years. Mark has eaten it yeah. both literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're putting mints on the show. I say this all the time. <laughs> Seriously. Is it important to bomb once in a while, Mark? Is it oh, healthy? Of course. And not yeah. just in the bathroom yeah. synagogue, on stage. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it is important to bomb for sure. Because then when you, you know, if you go to a theater show and you bomb, you know, or anywhere else, you know, you've kind of, you're like, okay, I've seen it at its at its worst here, you know. So you, you kind of learn how to cope with the bombings a little bit easier the more they happen. Um, I've been bombing for like 10 days straight here. Um, so I can't wait to do a theater show and feel good about myself again. So, you know, it's all part of the journey, man. You got to just get knocked down, get up again. And that's how it goes. You look like well, also, I think, glasses on. I think leaving, I think leaving your comfort zone too. Right. Because I mean, yeah, Mark and Keisha, you've both been producing theater shows out in the burbs for years, but you also came up in the Toronto clubs. But I think also for a lot of comics, they get into this routine in Toronto where they're like, I can just play comedy bar every week in front of this yeah. audience that I know I'm going to automatically kill in front of. I can just go to absolute comedy where it's like slipping into a warm bathtub. It's always a great mm-hmm. welcoming audience. It's important for comics to be able to branch outside of that though, and venture out yeah. into new places and just see how seaworthy they are and get out of their comfort zone to actually be able to do this. Yeah. Totally Definitely. agreed. That's the only way you build tough skin, you know, and that's what good. you need for this business. So Canadian comics are nothing if not resilient. All right, we could go all day with this panel, but before we wrap it up, uh, Keisha Brownie, so once again, where can we get tickets for this upcoming stand-up stitches? Uh, Follow the show online, all of that good stuff. Okay, so you can head on over to the rosetheater.com. You can search up the event at the stand-up stitches or the date, Saturday, April 29th. You'll be able to purchase tickets there or you can head on to my website. That's at www.gotbrownie.com for more information about any other upcoming show. There we go. Stand-up <laughs> stitches live once again, April 29th at Brampton's famous Rose Theatre. We are going to come back with more of Inside Jokes. We've got Anthony Rodia with his Totally Relatable Tour coming up. Thank you again, Keisha Brownie, Mark Anthony Synagoga, Sharif, and Sunny. Do you want to catch them live coming up April 29th? We will be right back with more Inside Jokes. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Sharif, your favorite African, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Keep supporting live comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I drive really slow in the ultra-fast lane while people behind me are going insane. I'm an Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and, of course, streaming all over North America and, in fact, the world on Global News Online. This week's episode is brought to you by 
Quite literally, no one at all. We are approaching season eight of Inside Jokes and we are open for biz, baby, just like the US-Canada border post-pandemic. And trust me, there is no sponsor too small. Hit us up. We will accept pretty much anything. Thank you again to our friends at Stand Up Stitches. You can catch them live coming up again at Brampton's iconic Rose Theatre. Now we're switching gears. we got another tour coming to Toronto, the Danforth Music Hall, which is a great heritage venue here in the city. One night only, we have returning friend of the show, Anthony Rodia, on his Totally Relatable Tour. How are you doing tonight, man? What's going on, guys? What I love, because we talked to you early on, and uh, again, we always call the pandy on this show, because let's make that whole couple of years sound more fun than it actually was. But we talked to you early on during all that. We had you on the phone. You were, like any comic, you were still out there trying to pound the pavement and hit the clubs. But of course, things were sort of on pause and going back and forth. So you're back out on the road now. You've got this totally relatable tour. You've got some dates coming. You're coming here to Toronto at the Danforth Music Hall one night only. You're performing in Montreal coming up, which is another sweet spot for U.S. comics coming up to Canada. But what the, your, so your whole motto is laugh more, complain less, which I feel like really is sort of the whole mood behind live comedy right now. Is that sort of the key, like the whole flavor behind this tour? Um. Well, I mean, the tour name came from just everyone's responses um, after my show. I, I try to do a meet and greet after every show. I want to meet my fans. I mean, I always say, you know, I'll never get tired of meeting my fans. My fans essentially pay my bills. Without them, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be working. Um, and everybody was saying it. Yo, your, your stuff is so relatable. Your stuff is so relatable. I feel like you're talking about my family, my life. And, um, you know, last year's tour was a road rage tour. Uh, because of the videos that I put out, that was my fa- you know most popular segment of videos, and uh, I wanted something fresh. So I started out with doing a lot of Italian ethnic humor, yeah. and then I started realizing that my crowds that were coming in, you know, weren't all Italian, and I don't want them to be because I feel like when you just concentrate on one type of crowd, you're kind of bottlenecking yourself and you're resisting, you know, you're restricting yourself from growing. So I started seeing, you know, a lot of people connecting with it from an ethnic standpoint, you know, Portuguese, Argentinian, white, black, whatever have you. So I kind of wanted to give them more than just the ethnic humor. So I started writing stuff that relates to everybody, you know, wife and kids, raising kids, growing up in an ethnic off the boat household uh, with old school parents. And the shows, I mean, I watch my shows from last year to now. And um, when I can make myself laugh, watching myself, which I usually cringe doing, um, I'm happy with the shows. But the shows now have become so funny. I mean, I write every day. And, and it's just, it is it is what it is. It's relatable. I, I, I always tell every comic, don't write what you think is funny. Because comedy is subjective. Write what's going to be relatable. People laugh at, you know, bits and humor that relate to them that hit close to home. It is It is very much true. I mean, this is a tour and your material where you could really quite honestly bring it anywhere on the map and yeah. an audience res- would respond to it. it. Again, it's all your own background and your own experience and your own family life, but you approach right. it in a way that is broadly reaching for everybody. And do you think, by the way, I mean, especially, you know, you've been, you're, you've wrapped up that road rage tour before. Now you've got this totally relatable tour. You've been out all over the map on the road ever since things cracked open again. Do you think the last couple of years have kind of toughened up audiences again and made people hungry to just go out and see raw, unfiltered, honest, relatable comedy again? Because a few years ago, before the hit the fan, we were kind of getting into this weird trend where 
everything in comedy, especially a lot of the specials you saw, felt like everything had to have a moral attached to it or a lesson attached to it. And there was this whole sort of wokeness and PC policing and all that. Do you think you're seeing more audiences coming out to your shows again that really just want to forget about that stuff and come out and just be able to laugh? Yeah. Hour and a yeah. Half? My, my audience is yes. Uh, in general, no. I think it's gotten worse. Um, I think people are more sensitive. I think people, you know, I have it all. I deal with it all day long, man. I, I just, before I, I, you know, signed on to this, I was arguing with somebody online. I love arguing. I'm Italian. Yeah. I love confrontation. <laughs> you know, my, my wife always says to me, why are you giving them attention? Why don't you concentrate on the fans that, you know, write you, Hey, aunt, you're so funny. I love your stuff. I go, because even though that's nice to hear, it's boring. I want to fight with somebody once in a while. Um, <laughs> but I deal with it more now. Like, I'll put something – I put a bit out about Disney, how I can't stand Disney. It's yeah. walking, sweating, and humidity. And people are like, go to hell. What kind of human are you? Mickey Mouse is the greatest thing on earth. I go, and you think with – read what you just put. You don't think you need mental help? You're a 45-year-old and your favorite person on earth is a fictional mouse? <laughs> And they're just so damn sad. I'm like, no one's saying you can't still go to Disney. And, you know, you probably wear wear mouse ears when you sleep with your husband. That's fine. You can keep doing that. Yeah. No one's saying that. I just prefer not to go. And I've trained my kids to know that every time you go to Disney, you, you're going to get a stomachache. So that, yeah, I lied to them, but it works. My daughter doesn't want to go to Disney anymore. But you know what it is? I think people just don't like to disagree anymore. You yeah. can't disagree with anybody. If your favorite ice cream flavor is chocolate and mine's vanilla, I can't talk to you anymore. It's yeah. gotten so stupid. And I'm, I tell everybody, I have enough fans now where I'm able to tell a few miserable people to go scratch their ass. And it's such a great <laughs> thing because I've waited four patient years because my agent's like, Hey, you can't curse anybody out. You need all the fans you can get. And now he's like, okay, you can, you can torpedo a couple of these people. And it's like, why are you looking as co at comedy as an attack? You're wrong yeah. right off the bat right there. If, if I talk about a heavy person that I came in contact with or a skinny person or a tall person or an ugly person, I'm not attacking every fat person or skinny person on the planet. I'm not attacking you. I'm talking about something that happened to me in a comedic point of view. So people have to stop looking at a comedy as an attack and look at it for what it is. It's an escape because yeah. what gets me mad are the people that take comedy as an attack. They're, they don't understand. Some people out there need comedy more than just a laugh. I have people that take videos of themselves or pictures or they write me from a hospital bed and they're terminally ill and I'm giving them medicine or somebody had, Hey, my father passed away. He spoke exactly like your dad. You not only made me laugh, you made me cry because it brought back memories. That hits, hits hard, man. I, I read emails. Sometimes I'm in tears. So to, you got to take a step back and understand that comedy is more important to some people than it is to just you or just a laugh. It's given people an escape from whatever they're dealing with in, you know, in everyday life. And to be able to do that is amazing. So when I hear people say, I don't think this is funny or your comedy sucks. It's like, dude, you don't know how many people need this comedy. So if you don't like it, just shut up and move on. No one's there forcing you, you to watch it, man. Not everything is supposed to be for everyone. And we've kind of lost sight of that. All right, we're going to come back with more Anthony Rodia and more about his upcoming Totally Relatable Tour coming here to Toronto. We'll be back with more Inside Jokes right here on 640.
what's up, guys? I'm comedian Anthony Rodia, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Catch me April 29th at the Danforth Music Hall in Toronto. Ain't that America? Something to see, baby. Ain't that America? Home of the free, yeah. Little pink houses for you and me. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, streaming coast to coast. On Global News Online, we are talking to Anthony Rodia, who is returning to Toronto's Danforth Music Hall, April 29th, one night only with his totally relatable tour. Uh, I love what you were talking about before the break, too, Anthony, how, you know, audiences in comedy have forgotten that not everything is supposed to be for everyone. And it's okay to disagree and it's supposed to, it's okay to not like stuff. Because at the end of the day, comedy is all about taking you outside of your comfort zone and letting you laugh at stuff and find the funny in stuff that maybe you're too uncomfortable to think about or that nobody else is doing. It's okay to laugh at this stuff because life is too serious the rest of the time. You should be able to go and see this tour and step into a theater and forget about real life for the night and be able to just have fun, even in the darkest stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm 100%. Listen, I had somebody approach me after one of my shows. It was sold out. We had 2,000 people in the crowd. It was standing ovation. And the lady came up to me and goes, you're not funny. And I said... (laughs) Wait, what? She goes, you're not funny. I said, no, no, you're wrong. She goes, no, I'm not. I said, you are wrong for one, one, you missed something. You left something out. I'm not funny to you. Exactly. Doesn't mean I'm not funny and that's okay. But when you're in a room of 2000 people and 1999 of them are on their seat clapping because they love the show and you didn't, it's not that I'm not funny. I'm not funny to you. And you know what? That's fine. Jerry Seinfeld, one of the one, Jerry Seinfeld is one of the most talented most successful highest paid comedians in the entire world guess what i don't laugh at him i love him better on his show seinfeld but that doesn't mean he's not funny you cannot be that successful without being talented he's just not my cup of tea as a stand-up comic but i would never take away from his success because he's one of the greatest so it and then you go on the opposite side of the spectrum uh take a guy like george carlin or richard pryor They're not for everybody, but you can't say they're not geniuses at their craft. So people have to realize it's okay for you not to like something. I don't like escargot. I'm not putting a snail in my mouth. Doesn't mean a restaurant can't charge a hell of a lot of money for it because it's good to somebody else. So have respect for people that enjoy something. Stop trying to shut it down because you don't like it. Do what my father always said. If I said to my dad, dad, I don't want to watch John Wayne. I don't like it. He goes, well, I do. And I pay the bill. So you either go in another room or shut it off. And that's all you got to do. Shut it off. Don't watch. But don't exactly. watch for the people that enjoy it. I think that's sort of a side effect, too. We live in an era now where, you know, social media gave everybody a voice, which is great. Right. But it doesn't give more weight to your voice. And that's what a lot of people no. have mistaken that with. By the way, our producer, Vince Desco also happens to be a fan of yours. I know you had something you want to pick your brain on here on the panel. No, I mean, I love Anthony's rant. And I love what he's saying because those... That negative side of comedy or that 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 ultra side like, hey, I don't think you're funny or whatever, is what pretty much gives you fuel for more material. So, Anthony, what I want to know from you, on the art form itself, how much of an old school comic are you? Are you more of a pen to paper guy? I like that. That was funny. Or when you get into an altercation or maybe do a show like this or you do a podcast and a nugget sort of slips in your head. Do you voice memo yourself? That was a good bit. Let's scratch that a bit more. What's your process on a bit? How do you kind of peel back the layer um, of the onion? I, so a lot of guys, they'll try a new bit at like, you know, an open mic. Um, mm. 
I I'm out of my mind. I'll do it at a sold out show of a thousand people. I don't care if it's not funny. It's not funny. But um, I, I go on my phone. I go to I go to notes and I'll write down the premise of the joke. Um, I normally write the punchline and then create a premise around it. Uh, if I see people laughing at the same thing, I'll I'll, you know, create a storyline around it. If my dad says something that has me dying, I'll create a storyline around it. And I'll add, like my father can say one sentence, but I'll kind of use that and create something where it can be a three, four minute bit around that. Um, I'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning with an idea or I'll do something like um <laughs> not to get graphic, but I went to the bathroom the other day in the morning and I woke up, I got up, you know, I, I woke up the way every guy wakes up in the morning, <laughs> but I had to, I had to do number one and two. Right. So I sat down and when I got up, I, I pulled up my box of briefs and they were soaked. And I'm like, what, what do I have, like water coming out of my toilet? I peed on my own boxers. <laughs> and I, I said to myself, how is that possible? My P. Shadil was in the toilet. I know it was in the toilet because it was pinned up against the bottom of the seat. Do I realize this has happened to me at least five times in my lifetime? What happens is because we, we wake up excited, it's like a diving board underneath yeah. the toilet seat. <laughs> You're actually peeing between the space, between the toilet and the seat, and it runs down. How do you not talk about that on stage? So I'm I'm sitting there. My wife's like, wipe the floor. I'm like, no, I got to write this down. You wipe the floor. <laughs> Use this. And I'm laughing hysterical at myself. So, dude, it's just I write about everyday life. Um, and, and one thing I tell everybody, if something happens to you and it seems like it's the most out of this world thing or you feel like you're the weirdest person in the world or something happens in your marriage – you're not the only one it's happening to. It's, okay. it's, it's happening to a lot more people than you think. And it's, it makes me feel better because I don't want to be the only one pissing on his underwear. No, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, underwear too. that kind of says it all about life. Right there. All right. <laughs> exactly. Which, by the way, I, so I want to grab again where we can get tickets and find you online and all that good stuff. But quickly before we do that, I was curious because Anthony, I mean, you're always out on the road. You're constantly touring. You're constantly out there working, pounding the pavement. And like you said, I mean, you just kind of write as you go. If an idea strikes you, you might be in a hotel room somewhere and there you go. You're trying it out on stage that night, whether you're in a 5,000 seat theater or a comedy club somewhere. You right. must have a favorite stage, though. Every comic has that one club stage, that one place where they feel the most at home in the world. Maybe it was their home club, whatever it is. Where is your favorite spot to be in the world where you just feel the most comfortable and that's your sweet spot? Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to be cliche and do what every comic would do in this position and go Toronto. Uh, <laughs> although I do love my Toronto fans. Um, it's a, it's a tie between, uh, the Paramount theater on Long Island because it's where I live and it's just an amazing theater and venue. And they have a speakeasy downstairs and they treat you like gold. It's between that and Governor's Comedy Club, only because Governor's was the first comedy club that gave me a night of my own to headline when my name wasn't known by anybody. And I always give them the respect and the loyalty. And I tell them to this day, you know, the owner, James, I'm cool with. I'm like, listen, I don't care how big this gets. I'm never going to get too big to call you and say, hey, I want to come back and do a I'm doing a Wednesday. I'm doing tomorrow night. 
where I called them and I said, Hey, light up a show for Wednesday. I can do a midweek show. I'm not, you know, I'll never get too big to, to, you know, remain loyal. And I think in this business, loyalty is very scarce. Um, but I have so many nice venues. You got Boston, the Wilbur theater, you have all the improvs, you have off the hook comedy club in Naples, which is not an elaborate venue. It's a restaurant slash comedy club, but the way they treat you, the people that work there, my fans that come there, um, you know, I have a ton of places. And then this year I'm going, uh, to Hawaii. I'm going back to Vegas at the Venetian, which is an amazing, just to be in Vegas and see my name or my picture on a, a building is insane. Uh, and then I'm going to Australia in August. So, I mean, it, it's, I can't really say I have a favorite, but every place that I perform at has their strengths and their points that stand out. And, you know, it's just, I, I pinch myself every day, man, to be able to do this for a living. I tell everybody, I don't have a job. I'm unemployed. And they go, what do you do for money? I say, I do what I love. And uh, I can never look at it as a job. But if I had to pick one place, it'd be a tie between Governors and uh, the Paramount. There we go. Anthony Rodia, before yeah. we let you go, man, where can we find you online? Grab tickets for this upcoming show in Toronto, all that good stuff. Uh, RodiaComedy.com is where I have my ticket links. And then Rodia Comedy or Anthony Rodia Comedy across all uh, social media platforms. There we go. Thank you so much, man. We'll see you live coming up here at Toronto's Danforth Music Hall. That is our panel. Thank you, Anthony Rodia. Thank you to our friends over at Stand Up Stitches. Check them out live upcoming at Brampton's Rose Theater. That is our show. Don't forget, you can listen in every Saturday night here on 640 Toronto and stream all of our episodes right back to the beginning on Global News Online. That's our show. We'll be back next week. This week's Comedy RX is Anthony Rodia. You women want the truth, but then when the truth is something you don't want, we have the problem. No, it can't work that way. Like, my wife keeps giving me pop quizzes, and she don't like that I'm brutally honest. She came home the other night, she goes, can I ask you a question? And can you answer it truthfully without worrying about my reaction? Yeah, I can't wait. She goes, I'm going to ask you, and I want you to answer quickly so I know your answer is the truth. I said, go ahead. Am I your best friend? No. She goes, I'm not your best friend. No, you're not even eighth on the list. Stupid question. She goes, how come? Give me a reason. I'll give you a couple reasons. I like fishing. You think fish smell. I like hunting. You think it's cruelty to animals. I like golf. You think it's for old people. I like baseball. You think it's slow. I like basketball. You think it's fast. I like football. You don't understand the rules. I like playing video games. You think they're made for kids, and you don't even watch porn. How the f*** you my best friend? We have nothing in common. She goes, we have two kids. That should have been your first clue. I would have never got my best friend pregnant. That's stupid. 